You're listening to The Author's Leverage, where it's all about your book and how to create a greater impact and a greater income with it. This podcast is for the author who knows there's more you can do with that book. Whether you're publishing your first one ever or you've written multiple bestsellers, the path to greatness begins by looking around and seeing that you are, at this moment, standing right in the middle of your own acre of diamonds. My friends, your book is a brand. I'm Parshel Tashi, creative entrepreneur and education design architect, and I'll be your guide diving into the minds of successful authors, renowned publishers, and industry experts to glean practical wisdom you can integrate into your book writing, launch, and marketing strategies today. You'll hear straight from the source how authors like you were able to publish their best work and build wildly profitable, successful businesses around it. Welcome aboard the Author's Leverage. And I'm a huge advocate of building a community around anything that you do, because those are the people we all know. If you want to buy something, what happens when you're on Facebook and someone's looking for a plumber? Well, they ask their friends and word of mouth, that's just how it works. And it's the same with any kind of digital business. Hey, Parshel here with the Authors Leverage. And in this episode, I'm joined by April Corbett. So excited she's here. She's been in business for over 30 years, supporting women uh, in a high touch and high impact way. And it's about changing the lives of other women. That's what drives her and everything that she creates for them. So I'm excited that she's here. We're diving into a number of challenges that come up for authors, especially women around confidence and marketing and how to get yourself out there. So if you're a woman and you're looking for interesting ways, some new strategic ways that you can approach how to leverage your book and, and do more with it, you're going to enjoy this conversation. And April is such a, a lighthearted and such a fun person to be around. And you're going to pick that up from our conversation as well. So thanks for being here and hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Author's Leverage. Excited to be here with uh, April Corbett. We talked, we actually connected not too long ago. I think it was like less than a month ago. And yeah. and since then, I've just enjoyed her her presence, her spirit, and just her willingness to help women as well as other authors. And so I'm excited for this conversation today, April. So thanks for being with me today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and get into this because this is a really an exciting thing to talk about, I think. Anybody, anytime anyone wants to leverage their business is a good conversation for me. Yes, she is the person uh, to talk about that for sure. Just in the short conversation I've had with you so far, uh, I've already got so much insight on how to even look at my own business and look at how to really jump into marketing in a way that's fun. So if anybody here today is, uh, is an author and you are been struggling to figure out how to keep the conversation going and what's possible with your book. I think they're gonna, you're going to enjoy this conversation. So let's let's introduce them a little bit more to you. I've already kind of done a formal introduction before now in the episode, but how about you tell us uh, something about yourself that maybe people would find surprising or that they don't know? Something people don't know about me. Well, it's something I didn't, I don't talk about a lot. I'm really into women um, growing at any stage in their life. And I was one of those kids that had a bit of a bumpy upbringing, and I left home at 15 with a grade 8 education. And I never wanted to get my GED, so I finally went back to school when I was 50 
and I graduated. So that's something I don't talk a lot about, but I think it speaks to the power of intention and the things that you can do with your life when maybe you don't even have all the tools. I mean, I had no tools and still successfully got into business. So I believe that it doesn't matter where you've come from. You can always, always improve your station in life. That's a powerful accomplishment. Congrats on that. First of all, I love that. Now, when we talk about women, I've heard you say that twice now. Why, why women? I work predominantly with women because we live longer and we earn less money. So what that means is, is that as our, even if we're married and and we're married to someone that has some sort of income, typically the men um, have more income than women do. And then when they pass away, often women will lose those pensions. So the number of women that are close to poverty when they're married It only goes up when they lose their spouse or if there's a divorce or if there's abuse or anything like that. So it's really important to me to teach women to empower their lives through creating their own stability income wise. So and that's really close to my heart. I know my mom stayed with at least her two first two husbands because of money. Mm. So it's really important to me that women learn how to grow through creating income because it creates confidence. That's really powerful. And I love how it's it's attached to your story as well. I can really sense the passion in that, right? You shouldn't have to rely on really anyone else. And today it's a different story. There's so much available to, um, to really anybody, but especially women in terms of a new paradigm and how we can evolve in those ways. So I know that a number of people listening are authors And so um, I love seeing that as well, sort of this rise of women who are becoming authors. So how how important is that right now? Well, it's really important for a lot of reasons, actually. The, The great thing about what's happening right now is that there's so much that can be done online, which means that if someone is at home or maybe they have a full-time job or they have a family, they can still do a lot of these things from home. And now with what's been going on in the world in the last couple of years, everything is being done virtually, practically. So it actually gives us more access to the tools and the different ways to leverage a book. So if you're thinking about writing a book, there's so much more than just the book. The book is great. But it really gives you uh, credibility more than anything else. I don't know. um, I'm not an expert on books in particular, but I don't think you make a ton of money off the printing of a book. So, But I do know that you can use a business to increase a lot of things, like how much people see of you, your exposure, how you can get your name out there. It's an introduction. I've heard it explained as a business card, which I thought was brilliant. Because to use a book as a business card is to simply say, hey, here I am. This is what I offer. This is what I can teach you. Now, of course, if you've written a a fiction book, then it's a different sort of approach. But if you're talking about anything that you want people to learn anything, it's an amazing calling card. That's amazing. And I know that so many are, like you said, using a book 
not only as a business card, but even also as an introduction to working with them or however they see fit to, uh, you know, to align people with their business. So what else are you seeing in terms of books and authors right now that is that you say is working? Like, are there any authors out there that you think, wow, they're really doing it right? Yeah, there's lots, actually, because it depends now. And this is the funny thing is that if you're not out there sort of in the online space, you're not looking for this. But if you're someone like me, who's always looking at other businesses, then you're going to see the obvious things, which are speaking. Now, of course, we're not doing a lot of that now on stages. We're doing a lot of that virtually. But the cool thing about the speaking virtually is that you have a much better opportunity to get in front of people than you did to get on a big stage. So even with a small book and a tiny following, you have much more opportunity to get in front of people. So that's the beautiful thing about the speaking. And that's pretty obvious. I think a lot of people think of that with books. Um, same with podcasting. You can use a book as leverage for a podcast. But beyond that, what about workshops? What about courses? What about coaching people on your particular topic? Or sellable resources. And I think this is one people don't think a lot about. But let's say you've written a book on, you know, how to organize your house or how to feng shui your house. There's a whole lot of resources that you could sell on the back end as well. Here's my book. And we also offer day timers or planners or actionable lists. So there's a whole bunch of resources that can be tagged to your particular industry, depending on what you're doing. In addition to that, you can look at membership. So if you wanted to do a small membership to have a bunch of people come in and work with you on that particular topic. And the one that I think that gets missed a lot is the networking piece. So when you have a book and you have some credibility that goes with that book and you want to use that to leverage something, it's, it's like an opening of a door into networking groups that may not let you in because they have one person for each industry. But when you have a book, it makes you generally pretty unique. So getting into those higher level networking groups is much, much easier with a book, I think. I agree 100%. There's a slew of things you just mentioned there. And also, too, we've had um, a previous guest on, Brian Heathman, who's in the publishing industry. And he also mentioned that, you know, having a book also gives you sort of a free pass to an extent to the media and to other, you know, ways to sort of leverage your platform or other people's platforms. 100%. And that's, you know, and that's going back to that whole business card thing. And I had all kinds of ideas when I was thinking about this today about talking with you today. And I was like, so what would be some of the great ways to do that? Oh, wow. Okay, so you want a digital version of your book, so that you can give people access to it that may not want to spend $29 on a book. And it's a whole heck of a lot cheaper for you to have a digital version. But the beauty of that is, let's say, for instance, you got called onto a virtual stage. So now you show up at the stage, you're introduced, and you talk about your book or whatever it is that you're focusing on for that topic. But then you walk away and it's like, no, 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 wait a minute. How you set up that deal is you go in and you say, that's great. I'll talk to your list of 100,000 people, but you have to include my digital order form along with that. So you just make it part of the condition of being there so that it's one more way to reach that audience. 
So if they've got a digital sign-up form for your book in front of you when you're talking, they are much more likely to opt into your book, which and then when you have all your systems set up, it's going to lead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing to allow you to build systems about how you're going to reach people with your book. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's huge. Um, there is one one of our clients who she actually is use, utilizing a, a digital product with her book simply to increase her speaking fees. Because, 100%. you know, between her and maybe two other options a company or an organization might have, you know, if she's able to say, well, anybody who attends also gets access to my course, you know, now she's, you know, shining a little bit brighter in terms of a selection for, you know, who to bring in. Right, because it's all about how you can stand out in marketing. So you can have two people with the exact identical product. So you, let's say, have two women. I'll use the example again of organization. You have two women that have written, you know, not the same book, but similar topic about how to get organized. The difference between buying Sally's and buying Margaret's book is going to be what you're going to include with it. So if the bonus is something like that, or maybe one of your digital products, or I don't know, something, the other thing that came up for me today too was charities, like the work that you can do with charities to get your name out there. So your book, that's what I mean about the business card part of it. Your book becomes this calling card of who, who am I in the world? Who is it that I'm trying to um, reach? Who am I trying to talk to? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When when does it make sense to, you know, create these other avenues and extensions of your book? Should it be done while you're you're writing the book? Is it too late after you've already had a book out? What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, it's never too late ever. <laughs> you could have written a bit ten years ago, and you can then use those things that you create now to further go back and leverage your book now. So it does work both ways. It doesn't really matter um, which way you do it. And I would say, write the book. But as you're writing the book, start to kind of pay attention to the things that you could create. What could come out of that book? What are the things, uh, extensions of that book? So you always want to be thinking in terms of what does my customer need next? So when you do the, the beginning work before you even get the book out there, you're figuring out who's going to buy this book, what problem does it solve, who, uh, where am I going to find the people that it's solving the problem for? When you're doing that work, that is the time to start thinking about, okay, if I write this book and it solves X problem, what's the next problem that my audience now has that I can solve? Oh, maybe they need work uh, sheets with that. Maybe they need a day timer with that. Maybe mm -hmm. they need a calendar with that. So that's the time you want to think about, okay, I'm solving this problem, but what's the next problem going to be? Because that's really the key to leveraging all these other digital products or even paper products, if you want, to uh, leveraging those is to actually be solving a problem every step of the way. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good point is even if you're in the process of writing is to think about, what do they need before? What do they need during? What do they need after receiving this information to help them? Um, and that's why in particular, you know, online course is so powerful because it takes you from sort of the, this is what to do 
and then this is how to do it, and this is how to get an action towards doing it. Um, what would you say among all of the different options that are available for an author after they have a book? Like, which do you feel like is the most powerful and the most um, leveraged that you would say that an author can utilize? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it depends first on the topic, of course. Mm -hmm. But being a course creator myself, I'm huge on courses. I think that um, any kind of program that you can create is gold. And depending on the size of your audience and, and what you're teaching will determine if that needs to be super high touch or if it can be a standalone digital product. And again, that's you would work that out based on your avatar, your audience, and whoever you're working with to create your course. But mm. yeah, I would definitely go with course because some that is something that you can turn into an evergreen uh, product that you can be selling for a long time. And you can also update it if you update your book. Like there's so many more opportunities to reach out to your audience with a course. Yeah, People absolutely. like books. They really love courses. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so true. That is so true. Because it's, it's a it's a different application. It feels more intimate. It feels like a, a, a deeper learning experience on the material. That's awesome. Yeah, 100%. If you're trying to teach someone something, I mean, I, you and I both probably are book people. And that's my guess. I've read a lot of books. And the ones that I found most powerful had some component of learning beyond the book. So whether that was a membership or it was some digital products or it was, like I say, I've even gotten daytimers through books. So it, it really helps to have some sort of offer on the other side because if people really read your book and they love it and they gobble it up and they're like, ah, that is the moment you want something to offer them because you don't ever want to put out a book and then have everybody hungry and looking around and you not to have anything else to give them. It's really important that when you write something that would that connects with people, that you have something to offer them right away. Yeah, I love that. An extension of serving. You already served through the book, right? And there's an opportunity to serve that's uh, just as simple and it reaps huge rewards as well for uh, both the reader yeah. and for you as the author. And people will go deeper on a course than they will reading a book. Like, you know, a great example is the difference, say, between meditation and and hypnotherapy. You can meditate till you're blue in the face and try to uncover all your stuff. But if you work with a hypnotherapist, which is practically the same sort of methodology, you go to your subconscious, but someone's there to guide you, it's so much quicker and it's such a deeper experience. So with a, uh, a course on the end of a book, you read a book, you're like, oh my God, that was so good. And then do a course, people will go so much deeper with that. And you you actually create loyal raving fans. And that's what you want for any product, but in particular, a book. Yeah, I love what you say with the, the raving fans piece, because audience building is key. You know, and oh. even with speaking with a publisher, if, if, if you're someone who's going either the self-published route or you want to go with the publisher, um, one of the main things on the publishing side that they're definitely going to look for is what your platform is you know, what your current audience is, that makes a huge difference. So can you talk a little bit too on the importance of an audience as well? And, and what that means either before you have a, you know, have your book and, or after right audience and having sort of an, a community that you've built. 
100%. And I'm a huge advocate of building a community around anything that you do, because those are the people we all know. If you want to buy something, what happens when you're on Facebook and someone's looking for a plumber? Well, they ask their friends and word of mouth, that's just how it works. And it's the same with any kind of digital business. So if you're writing a book and not already building an audience for that book, then you're doing yourself a huge disservice. You really want to start building that audience early on. Create an email list, reach out to your friends, tell everybody what you're doing, explain to them what you're writing, get people talking about it previous to even publishing a book because you're going to create some momentum behind what you're writing and some curiosity. So you do definitely want to be building an email uh, list. You might want to build a group, depending again on the topic. You might want to um, start connecting with people on LinkedIn. And again, it's the same sort of thing. It doesn't matter where you do it. I recommend maybe two, three places at once. If you're brand new to sort of digital space, I wouldn't even go that far. I'd say pick two places where you're going to start talking. Could be Clubhouse. It depends on the book. I mean, it could be TikTok for all I know, right? It really depends <laughs> right. on where you think your audience is because that piece, figuring out whose problem you're solving and where to find them, those are you need to do that before you do anything because those two things are going to catapult whatever you're doing in terms of numbers. If you're super clear on who you're selling to because whose problem you're solving and where to find them, then that's going to help you massively when you put out a book. Right. Now, this brings up a, a really big challenge just to kind of shift gears as we're talking about marketing here, because many authors that I know and a lot of entrepreneurs that I know, when it comes to marketing and uh, doing the digital selling or sort of the, you know building that digital pre presence and what that takes, a lot of them shy away from it. And it does end up in some way affecting the success of their book, the success of how they're able to build an audience and sell anything else on the backside of that. So can you talk a little bit about, um, in your experience and what you've seen, what, what are the blocks that get in the way as to why, you know, most entrepreneurs, because I, I struggle with this too, why we don't embrace marketing and sort of that idea of being visible? It's because we're bragging. That's really what I have found. The more women I talk to, the more I recognize that, that that's a very short answer, but that's the thing that's come up the most is because we're bragging. When we're marketing, we've got to get out there and say, look at me and look at this thing I've done. And, you know, I'm going to teach you this and I'm going to teach you that. And then instantly we run up against imposter syndrome, which I'm sure you've heard a lot of people talk about. And yes, it's imposter syndrome, but if you even go underneath that, we are, in particular women, and that's kind of my thing, I know I keep saying it, but we are really programmed to sit and be quiet and not be heard. So when you ask, and I really see writers as artists, very much like artists, I've worked with a lot of artists and I've run into this a lot, they understand their art and what they're doing and what they typically want to do is they just want to put it out there. Someone will come get it. And it just, it, it's unfortunate because you have to learn to stand your ground, know who you are and know who you're helping. And every time you forget, you need to remind yourself because that imposter syndrome 
will come up and it's going to sound something like, um, oh, it's, you know, it's not really that good. Who, who's really going to want to read that anyway? It's not that it, you know, my story is not that important. You know, we'll tell ourselves these things to keep ourselves from what we see as bragging. Marketing is not bragging, bragging. Marketing <laughs> is not bragging. I know, bragging. I just made up a new word for us. For marketing, marketing is, is bragging. <laughs> yeah, it's bragging. What marketing isn't bragging. However, any time that we have to toot our own horn internally, that's what's going to come up for us. Is that we're bragging and we're being too loud. I actually have a client right now who, oh my word, you know, it's every second week on our coaching calls. I, I just don't want to bug anybody. And she's really come a long way, but this whole idea that she's being an annoyance is really common. And so what I have found is that I've learned through my clients that it's a muscle. If you continue to kind of push people to put themselves out there, they'll do it. But if there's a lot of stop start and that someone doesn't have any support or help, then they're typically not going to be consistent with it that answer the question? I feel like I kind of got lost there. No, it, it definitely does. Like the, the reason and the big holdup is that, especially among women, is that you feel like you're bragging and you feel like you're bringing too much attention to yourself, whereas we're, we're supposed to be in the corner or not really on yeah. the front and center stage. So, and, and, and with that, I hear and understand and have experienced myself is that there's really an internal battle or an internal challenge that um, has to be overcome in that way. So how do you help these women, you know, get over, get over that? Well, there's a couple of ways you can do that. I mean, a lot of it is coaching from the heart. I mean, I am a certified coach, so I do coach in my business from the heart. And then I'm also a bit of a hard ass. So I'll love you up, but I'm still going to push you. So it's, I'm really big on accountability because, again, it's a muscle. If I can get someone to do something three or four or five times and the sky doesn't fall and nobody yells at them and tells them to go to their room, then, but well, and that's really what's happening, right? We're experiencing something that has happened probably in our programming, in our, it could even be in our DNA from thousands of years ago, but we're experiencing something that typically isn't even ours. So if I can get them to do it a few times, and that is with accountability, I mean, our coaching calls end and, and start and end in the exact same way, you know, what are your wins? Uh, here's your list for last week. What did you get done? And if you didn't, why not? And then, okay, so next week you're going to do this. And listen, I, I've had lots of clients. I had this one client just send me a testimonial and she said, yeah, there's a lot of test. There's a lot of accountability working with April and Jay Lee, but I'm making more money. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's all tied. So we have to get past that. And how we get past that is for someone to have someone in that has your back, that is really going to stand up and say, "Listen, I'm going to stand here and hold you up while you continue to push back, but just keep trying, just keep trying." And that woman that I spoke of earlier has come to me and said, you know, all the hard things that I really didn't want to do that you really made me do are the things that have made, created the most growth. Mm -hmm. And that's true because the, the obstacle is the way. So if you're really resisting something, it's because that's the thing you need to get through. 
A hundred and fifty percent on that. <laughs> the obstacle yeah, is so the true. way. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I love that. All right. It's time for a short break. Let's hear a word from one of our sponsors. Are you an author and ready to leverage your book? Maybe you have a great idea for a course or program, but you need help fleshing it out with someone and making sense of what you have. If that's you, I want to invite you to schedule a free half-hour strategy session with me. We'll take a look at your content together, talk about your goals, and I'll provide my professional and honest recommendations. No salesy stuff or surprises. So to schedule a call, visit theauthorsleverage.com forward slash course strategy. All right, now back to the show. So let's talk a little bit now too, like if you were working with an author and you know they were with you to strategize you know, how to keep the conversation going about their book. What are some, what are some, you know, pieces of advice you would give them or perspectives to help them to to do that? Yeah, the biggest thing, and this is also causes the most failure with most entrepreneurs that we see is consistency. Choose what you're going to do. Do not come out like a sprinter because if you come out of the gate and you say, I'm going to go live every single day and, you know, you make up these crazy things that you can only do for a week, you're probably not going to be able to stay consistent. So Mm -hmm. I would much rather see someone come out of the gate going, I'm going to go live once a week and I'm going to send out an email every two weeks and I'm going to build a group, right? So Choose the things that not necessarily you're most comfortable with, but the things that you think are going to get you the most attention. So that could be, you could do it with group. There's many ways. And I know that you as well know some great ways to do this. So the biggest thing is consistency. Be consistent in whatever you do. If part of selling your book means you're going to show up in other people's groups, then be consistent, keep a list, track your results. ROI is so important. Do not waste your time doing something you love doing it just because you love doing it. If you're not getting results and you're not tracking, you're not going to know if you're not getting results. So consistency, tracking, and what's the next one? Another good one would be, um, yeah, be a little uncomfortable. Be a little uncomfortable. You know, don't just pick all the things that you already know how to do always be stretching. Mm. And I, I love this. And I love, I love how um, te- team and people oriented you are. Um, I just <laughs> see you just like a, a, a bubbly, you know, bubbly kind of person like you enjoy um, being with other people. So for an author, who do you recommend is on their team? Like if maybe if they are just getting started and they're looking to add to their team, or maybe they, uh, or just looking for that next piece to sort of leverage what they have, right? Who who do they need around them in order to to see see the next? Uh... Yeah. Well, you know, and it's usually I'm, you know, and I'm going to say this not because I am a coach, but because I totally believe it. I believe that you need a coach. You you need a coach on your side because those are the people that are going to call you on your stuff. There are always the people that are going to be there to hold your hand when you're having a meltdown because that happens too. You know, you can have a VA and a design person and all those people if you want to build that kind of team and you have the funds to do it out of the gate. Likely you don't. 
So make sure that you at least have a coach on your side. I've had a coach for years. I always have at least one um, because those are the people that are going to prop you up. You you know, you can have the best VA in the world, but she's not going to, you know, soothe you when you're having a meltdown and you don't want her to see that anyway. Right. <laughs> and you're, and here's the thing, acknowledge that you're going to have meltdowns. It's going to happen. You're going to have bad days. Oh, yes. You're going to have bad moments. You're going to, you know, uh, Jay Lee and I, Jay Lee is my business partner and we are constantly talking that we, we don't train business people. We teach women how to be entrepreneurs because there's so much more to it than writing a book or starting a business or making soap or whatever. There's so many emotional pieces to it. And part of the reason I only work with women is because I want them to be comfortable with whatever they got to bring that day. Right. So when they show up, I don't want them to ever think that, you know, they can't cry, which sounds terrible, but sometimes they do. You know, it happens because business is hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It sure is. It sure is. It's okay to say that. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to feel it. I love that you said that. You know, it's it's really when we acknowledge those dark and difficult parts about ourselves and love those parts about ourselves that we can see through to the other side. Yeah. And I think a part of how we hold people down, regardless of who that is, is by making it not okay for them to express their full self. So anytime we tell someone it's not okay, you know, and you hear this a lot about little boys, we tell boys they can't cry. We're doing them such a disservice because that is part of the human experience. And I think that anytime we try to pretend things are disconnected, like, oh, this is my business and I'm professional over here. And anytime we try to do that, we're doing ourselves a disservice because bringing your whole self to the game is the winning. That's how you win. You bring your entire self. And I think that sometimes that includes tears. Sometimes it includes like crazy, crazy excitement, you know, and that's good too. We want it all, right? But you want it all because it is a full experience. I love that. I love that. And entrepreneurship is, it keeps going. It doesn't really sort of like this uh, never ending. <laughs> There's no end. There's no end game. It's just, it's just more, more to learn, more to do, more to see, more to create. Yeah. And that's what's great about the topic of authors in general is that it's like, the, the book gives people that jumping off point. You know, m- maybe they write a book and then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so kicking butt with these courses or I'm an amazing speaker. Great, right? Like the book is the, is the story. It's like the seed. Now, what can I grow from that? The possibilities are endless with a book, I think. I think that you could... You know, again, you know, if I'm talking to someone on a particular subject, I could probably pull out a million more things that you could do with a book. But it's subject to subject. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. And, you know, books, they they stay around forever. That's the other thing, too, that I love about is when you talk about legacy and even going beyond your life and your impact Mm -hmm. here, it it stays around. Um, You know, I, I remember hearing somebody that, you know, our country is run by 
dead people <laughs> because of, you know, the books that they've written and that they're still in effect and still being utilized and followed yeah. and taught, you know, so there's a lot of potential yeah. here for the future. So um, what sort of things can authors expect in the future? Like, let's say you were to put on some futuristic glasses and see, you know, five, 10 years into the future. What do you see as possible for creators and authors? Well, I, I have a bit of a dark view on this. I see education. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this because not for authors, but for how our society is now. Sorry, I should have probably said that. Sure. I have this kind of dark view about education. So mm. education, how education is set up now is in a losing position. It's a race to the bottom. And I think that how our education is now is it's a losing game. I think that so much can be said for learning. Having been one of those people that didn't really have any formal education, you know, I've had trade certificates and I've been certified in different things, but I really think that this whole online system of people teaching people rather than institutions teaching people, I really see that's how we're going to go. Maybe not for everything, because there's always going to be doctors and, you know, things that need to be taught differently. But I think the majority of how we earn income and how we educate ourselves is really, it's going to shift huge. Mm. I mean, the idea of spending, you know, five, six hundred thousand dollars on education and coming out the other end um, with a lot of debt and not a lot of prospects. I think that's a race to the bottom and it, it's going to disappear. So I think for anyone that can position themselves as an authority or a expert in anything is going to have a leg up before they even do anything, even before they write the book. So I think it's really important that if you're out there right now and you're listening to this and you've got an idea for a book and you don't know how you're going to make money with it, don't worry. You're going to make money with it. Just write the darn book, right? And then... There's lots of ways. There's lots of ways. See, this is what happens for me. I apologize. I get super excited. I want, I want everyone to win. That's the thing. I love that. Well, tell us a little bit. Tell us what you think when you hear the term author's leverage. What comes to mind to you as what that means? Well, to me, that means just, I think just what I said. If you're an mm -hmm. expert in something, use a book as a way to leverage your knowledge and position yourself as the authority so that you can then create an income for yourself. In a way, what I love about authors is that you can create it in a way that's aligned with yourself because I don't think you're going to be able to write a book unless whatever you're writing about is aligned with you. So automatically, you're so much further ahead than anybody else that's starting any kind of online business is because you're already aligned with it. So it's going to be so much easier to leverage that. Um, so when you say author is leverage, I think, yeah, how am I going to take my story and create income from it? Mm, mm, I love that. I love that. I could talk to you for much longer than this, April, but I want to, <laughs> we got to go eat. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I so appreciate you being here and sharing your wisdom and, knowledge with us. So as we're wrapping up, like what would be sort of your, your parting advice to authors who are listening? Is to get comfortable with social media. 
if you're not comfortable uh, putting yourself out on social media, you're going to struggle. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that I've talked to, oh, but it's just personal. It, it's really not anymore. And you have to get used to the idea that this is the way the world is moving. And if you can get comfortable on social media, it's going to make everything so much easier. Mm, that's so powerful. And how, how can people connect with you if they want to work with you or, you know, to connect with you on social media? What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can reach out on my personal page, uh, April Corbett, that's B-E-T-T, or you can reach out uh, digitalsecretagents.com is our website, bizforher forward slash chat if you want to have a conversation with me, any of those ways. I'm pretty easy to find. That's awesome. And we're going to link all that to, you know, in the show notes here for everyone to check out and easily link to. And I also see that, um, and I'm not, not sure when this is going to coincide with the the release of this episode, but you are running a social media billboard client catcher, which is a great tie-in to your advice for those who, you know, are not certain about social media or going to that next level in your social media presence and what that takes for you to do it. So I highly recommend uh, checking out that workshop. Do you want to talk about a little bit about that too, for those that uh, have questions? Yeah, I can. I mean, it's just a, it's a really quick uh, little challenge that we do and we get your one thing down, which is one of our programs that we created. We pulled it out of one of our high touch programs to include it in this. It's your basically your one sentence elevator speech. So we're going to help you create that. And then we're going to tell you how to set up all your bios and tie them all in together for your social media, whatever platforms you want to do. We're including all of them. Plus, we're including all the templates for you to go and build them because we know how much fun it is trying to make templates fit. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we included those too because we wanted to make it really easy. So by the end of the challenge, everything is set up. It's not, here's your homework. We're actually going to do it with you. So you can find that on digitalsecretagents.com too. That'll Perfect. be on there. Perfect. So we'll yeah. link to that as well. So April, thanks again. This is such a great conversation. I learned a lot. I've got some notes and I'm excited to start sharing this out there as well. So thanks again. This is The Author's Leverage. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Author's Leverage. You can subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, do me a favor. If you found this helpful, leave us a review and share this episode with someone it could help along their journey. Check out more resources, visit theauthorsleverage.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time.